Good morning, church. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. It's good to see you today. I wish I was looking at you face-to-face as you're looking at me face-to-face today. We're excited about today and what we have to share with you this morning. I know this is a lot different than any of us expected Easter Sunday morning to look this year, but this is where we are and this is the reality that we live in. So I just want to share some things with you today from the Word of God and I want us to look at a couple of stories this morning from Scripture that you're probably well familiar with, but maybe take them together and see what God has to say to us today. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the blessings of this day. Thank you for what this day signifies and means to each believer in the world around us. Father, we lift up your name. We praise you for who you are. We thank you for your life, for your death, for the resurrection and what it means to us. We pray today that you'll open our hearts and our eyes to see what it is you have us to see today in your word. We pray that you'll move in a great and mighty way. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to be all over the Gospels this morning um, as I'm looking at several different passages. I really want us today to look at uh, what I think are two very similar and yet competing stories. One is probably one of the saddest stories in all of Scripture, and the other is, without a doubt, the happiest story in all of Scripture. Uh, the, the, they both uh, center around the time of the crucifixion, uh, within just days apart of one another, and they uh, are around two central figures within the gospel. One of them is Lazarus. You know his story. And yet, I want to look at that today, and I think it's probably one of the saddest stories in human history, um, if it were not for the second story, and uh, that's the story of Jesus. Uh, If you look at the story of um, Lazarus in John chapter number 11, uh, it's where we'll be today to begin with, John chapter 11, verse Number one says, Now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped her feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus replied, Aren't there twelve days, twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not him, in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so 
that you may believe. Let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go so that we may die with him. A sad story. A story similar to so many things we hear in the world today. Uh, so many things that you and I have experienced in our lives. Uh, it is a worldwide story of humanity. Uh, life, sickness, death, grieving, hurt, pain. All of these things in this story. Uh, a friend of Jesus. A man who was well known in his community, well loved in his community. Uh, apparently a uh, very religious man because as we see in the story, many Jews came to, to mourn him. A man who uh, was seeking after the Messiah, a man who was a friend of Jesus, a man that Jesus says, uh, the scriptures say that Jesus loved him. Uh, he and Martha and Mary uh, were, were people that were close to Jesus on a human relationship. Um, and so uh, you see this story, it, it has sadness in it in so many ways because these people that, that knew Jesus and believed Jesus to be the Messiah looked to him for help and hope in this life. And when Lazarus became sick, they sent word to Jesus. And one of the most intriguing statements in this whole story is that when Jesus heard of this, he waited several days to go before he even left. And he made a clear statement that he did this so that, that many could see and understand that even the disciples in that day couldn't fully grasp the truth of what Jesus had been telling them about his own death that was to come. So as we walk through the story, we see the, the human elements of grief and pain and hurt and loss. And, and that's not really the saddest part of this story. It is a sadness that every human family, every human person uh, will face at some time in their life. We all lose loved ones. We all lose people that we care about. Um, people will one day grieve us as we are lost to death in this life. But that's not really the saddest part of this story. Uh, we know going forward that this story <coughs> tells us some really great things. Um, we'll see in verses 38 through 41 the fact that Jesus comes and when he finally does get there and after mourning his friend Lazarus and seeing what is going on and mourning the pain that death has caused to so many people around uh, Lazarus's life. The Bible says in verse 38, Then Jesus, angry in himself again. Jesus wasn't angry at the people. Jesus wasn't angry um, at the circumstances. Jesus was angry that death had entered into the lives of these people and the pain that they were suffering because of death. We understand that death is a direct result of sin. Scripture teaches us that that the, the punishment of sin is death. That death came to mankind because of sin. And so <coughs> Jesus says, the, the scripture said that in verse 38, that when Jesus came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. So Jesus heard the story. Two days later, he leaves. It's now two days later by the time he gets there. And the Bible says that, that the family is at a point of recognizing that 
that Lazarus is gone and that is it and they're they're without him. And yet, in verse number 40, Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you are always you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips with his fa- and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. What we would look at as a great triumph, uh, a tremendous comeback from the greatest setback of all time, uh, from death to life uh, in this human life, I look at, and I say this is probably one of the saddest stories in all of human history. Um, I know that there are places in Scripture, I know there are are, um, reported events from history and time of people who have died and come back to life because of the power of Christ. And this is one of those recorded times. But why this is so sad is because we are focused on this life. And the reality is that Lazarus was raised back to human life in this this existence that we have, in this moment in time and in that moment in time. And he was back with his family, he was back with his friends, and he was going to be set free from the bonds that had held him wrapped together. But the reality, the truth of the matter is, Lazarus was still going to face human death. Every single one of us watching this, every single human being in all the world, all people from Adam until the very last man that is born of woman will die. That is a truth of Scripture. And they have this this great joy that Lazarus has been returned But can you imagine the knowing the next day, the next uh, two or three days as they sit and think, as Lazarus sits and thinks, he realizes that this again is going to come to him. That death is something he is going to have to face. I think in, in the world we're living in today, the reality of what this environment of of this disease has caused in the world around us, not just in Keystone Heights, not just in Stark, but literally the worldwide event that this has caused has made people realize that we face death, that it is coming, and that there's nothing we can do to prevent it. I think that's one of the saddest stories we could ever hear, is that that we put all of our hope and all of our dreams and all of our our resources into maintaining this life and yet the reality is there's nothing we can do to stop that from ending so so many people do everything they can to embrace this life and enjoy this life at whatever cost it might be they go full tilt into seeking after pleasure and seeking after fame and fortune seeking all that this life has to offer and yet it's fleeting yet it is it is impossible to to solve the great hurt and pain and depth of need of the heart and the soul it's a truth that that we're focused 
on a life that is around us, a life that is is only temporal, a life that can't be held on to. And yet we go to the second story, a similar story and yet completely different. It's the story of Jesus. For that, I want us to look in Luke chapter number 24. We know the story of Jesus began before his birth. The story of Jesus is the story of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the very beginning of mankind's history, the scripture says that that the Trinity of God gathered together and decided to create man and, and created man and spoke life into man and breathed life into mankind. And Jesus was there in that very beginning as God the Son, one of the the triune entities of who God is. And that's a a subject that is too hard for our minds to comprehend, and yet by faith we believe this. The story of Jesus from a human experience begins as he steps out of heaven in his godness, and he enters into the womb of Mary, and he becomes this babe who is given the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And he is he's brought up and he lives some 30 plus years um, of perfect human existence for one purpose, to die. While Lazarus came to live, trying to face death and run from it like every other human being, Jesus came to live to embrace death. He came to live to face a death for you and I. Scriptures tell us in Matthew, or excuse me, in Luke, um, or excuse me, let's let's go to Matthew first before we go to Luke. Matthew 27. Matthew 27 talks about the the crucifixion. Uh, Pastor Mark did a a tremendous job of sharing on uh, Friday um, all about uh, what went on on that day uh, of Friday, uh, what we call Good Friday. And, and I just want to remind you of some of this from the story of Matthew chapter 27. In verse number 1 it says, When daybreak came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And after tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate the governor. Um, they had been coming after Jesus for weeks and weeks and weeks. We even heard in the story um, of Lazarus that the Jews had tried to stone Jesus for what he had said. And so um, we're, we're becoming a part of this um, this pattern of the life of Jesus when it's coming to its conclusion from a human existence and from a human standpoint. In verse number 27, the scripture tells us that then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the headquarters and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in scarlet military robe, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and placed a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. Then they spit on him and took the reed and kept hitting him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put his clothes on him, and they led led him away to crucify him. As we come to verse number 30. Uh, excuse verse number 45 uh, the scripture says from noon until three in the afternoon darkness came over the whole land 
From about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of them standing near heard this, they said he's calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and filled it with sour wine and fixed it on a reed and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Jesus died. Humanly, Jesus faced the same exact thing that every other human being faces. He died. This human life cannot go forever. Jesus, even though he willingly sacrificed his life and gave it up, and even though he willingly gave his life and he surrendered his spirit to God the Father, in the human existence, he ceased to be. This body could no longer carry who he was. It is the fact of the truth that we all must face. And yet, in verse number 57, the Bible says that when it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who himself was also a disciple of Jesus. And he approached Pilate, and he asked for Jesus' body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. And he left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Does that not sound familiar? Jesus wrapped in fine linen. Jesus placed in a tomb. Jesus with a stone rolled in front of it. Almost identical to the story of Lazarus just a few days before. And yet, everything is different about this story. Everything changes. As we move to Luke chapter number 24, we we see that just... Um, a few days later, just a couple of days from, from the time that, that Jesus died on the cross and was buried in that, that borrowed tomb, wrapped in those linens. The Bible says in Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, Suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven, to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But the words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped in to look, he saw only the linen clothes. So he went home amazed at what had happened. Similar story. A few days after death, the stone is rolled away. And the one inside of the tomb steps back out into life. Such similar stories between Lazarus and Jesus, but one great difference. Jesus took 
his life up again on his own. Jesus stepped out of that tomb by his own power. Jesus was resurrected, proving that his sacrificial death was accepted by God for the sin of man. I want to take us back for just a moment to the story of Lazarus to see how Jesus himself wanted to take the focus that everyone in this group was having on life, this life, this human life, and how he he was trying to take the focus off of this life alone and place it on the reality that there is eternity for all of us to face. In John chapter 11, we see Jesus, when he gets to um, Martha and Mary's home, and as he begins to encounter the family when he first came, I left this out because I wanted you to see this, that... uh, Verse number 17, the Bible says that when Jesus arrived at the home of Martha and Mary that day, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard the news about Jesus that was coming, he went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, her focus was on that moment, that time, that that earthly existence. She said, if you would have been here, you're the Messiah. If you'd have been here, you could have stopped this because I know that you're God. But her focus was on this moment. Her focus was on the pain that she was feeling. Her focus was on just living out this life. Bible says that yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God God will give you. See she believed that that Jesus could even bring him back from death. And Jesus said your brother will rise again. And Jesus Martha gives probably one of the greatest theologically correct church answers ever. She says I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus wants her to understand what he wants you and I to understand today. It is much more than a church answer. It is much more than a theological debate. It is about the truth of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life and in my life today to help us understand the greater picture of life and death. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not that there will be one day a resurrection, but I am the resurrection. I am the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Jesus wanted Martha and Mary and all those around to understand. Jesus wants you and I to understand that even if you die in this life, when you die in this life, if your hope and your trust and your belief and your faith is in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. What was still yet to be done at this point, but what we know just a few days later will mirror what they're seeing. If your faith and trust is in Him, you will never truly die. Your life will continue to go on forever in Christ. You will live beyond the grave. 
who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Ever. Do you believe this? Listen, I think this is the crux of the story today. Jesus really speaks to three sets of people here today as he's speaking to Martha in that day. Jesus said in a broad spectrum, he said, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. He, he's talking about the, the general context of, of all of humanity for every single person out there, for the broad spectrum of life that, that all that would believe in Him. All have that opportunity to believe in Him. And then he gets a little more specific. He said, everyone that does believe in me will never die. He moves from the from the, the broad spectrum of all humanity to those who really take in this truth, begin to believe in Jesus and what he has done and who he is and what this means for you and I for eternity. And then he asks the question of Martha that he asked of each one of us listening today. And I ask of you, he says to Martha, do you believe? See, it's not about all of humanity at this moment. It's not about even all of those around the world who are followers of Jesus. It's about you and I. Do you believe? Have you placed your faith, your trust, your eternity, your life, your death in the hands of Jesus? That's what this day is all about. This day is all about life and death and life eternal. Jesus is speaking to you today. and He wants to know today, do you believe? Will you believe? Let me ask you today, have you given your life to Christ? Do you believe the story of Jesus, the reality of who he is? Even in that day, those who followed him struggled with this. They struggled with, with the, the truth of life and death and life again. They couldn't fully understand it. Jesus spoke it many times to them, and yet their, their minds were darkened to it. And yet the Holy Spirit of God spoke into their life. He gave them examples that they could see. He's done the same thing for you and I today. I believe that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking into someone's life today. You're seeing an example written in Scripture, written in history, of what this means and what it can be. And He's asking you today, do you believe? Very simple question. Very simple answer. Yes or no? If you are struggling with this and you want to believe, ask God. Ask God to give you understanding. Ask God to give you faith. Ask God to help you to believe. If you're ready to believe, 
If you if you're ready to give your life to Christ today, just ask Him to forgive your sin, to come into your life, to make you new, to give you life after death. See, none of us are going to escape death. But we can face death knowing that there's life eternal in Christ. That there's not a death waiting for us that seals us forever away from God. Total separation, punishment for the sin with which we carry. Jesus himself made a way. I would encourage you to pray and ask God. For each believer, pray and thank God for the resurrection today. For the truth of what it means in your life. As we rejoice together today, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for everyone listening to this today. For every believer hearing these words today. Father, help them to rejoice in the truth that our life is to be lived in abundance. To the truth that our life can be lived to its fullest. And as we face death, however that might be, Whenever that might be, we face it with joy knowing that when we step out of this life, this human existence, we step immediately into the very presence of God Almighty, into eternity that's been paid for by the death of Christ. Father, I pray for every person listening that does not know you. I pray that each one of these people would seek out your Holy Spirit, would ask for you to come and speak faith into their life, that you would open their eyes, that you would speak into their life truth. Put someone into their life to help walk them through these passages. Give them the courage to believe. Father, help them to understand. Father, bring faith into their life that they might know Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Father, I pray that you would birth many on this resurrection day into the body of Christ pray these things in the powerful, the wonderful name of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today, church, we've gathered together to rejoice in this truth. One of the ways we rejoice is by remembering the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ with the ceremony that he left us. And so as Uh, My cameraman, or camerawoman, and I are going to rejoice today in remembering this life, death, and resurrection through sharing in what is commonly called the Lord's Supper, uh, communion. We're going to break bread together. We're going to take of the juice. And I want to remind you that uh, in those days intervening between Lazarus and Jesus and their deaths and their resurrections um, was the time that Jesus came together with his disciples and he focused and uh, told them about what was coming and he said there was a way to remember this and a way to remember him and a way to honor him and it's listed in Mark uh, chapter number 14 that's where we're going to be today Mark chapter number 14 this is the passage that I want to use today as we remember and share in the Lord's Supper. I hope you have your elements at home, uh, whether they are grape juice or whether they are um, um, it, it's Coca-Cola or 
water or whatever juice or drink that you have, um, and I, whatever uh, crackers you have, whatever uh, whether it's uh, unleavened bread or not, is not the point today. Um, I know in that day, and we do often try to mimic what was going on in that day, uh, in those elements. But the reality is that what Jesus did is he took he took a, a ceremony that was already at play in their time and in their day, the, the, the Passover celebration, which each one of these folks knew all about. They had celebrated many times before. And he took that celebration of, of what happened with Egypt and what happened with Israel as how God released Israel from, from Egypt. Um, and, and what that ceremony that they set into place of the Passover. And he took those elements and he used them to talk about something brand new. And what he said was, I want to give you something brand new. And uh, so as it says that as they were eating, I want you to understand that they were, they were sitting around sharing in this conversation about Israel and this conversation about Egypt and this conversation about the, the separation from um, God... Um, the, the separation from Israel from Egypt and how God had moved in this family and in this this uh, this group of human beings and He had separated them from from their punishment and separated them from uh, their captivity and He'd set them free. As they're just having this conversation, as they're around the table, it says that Jesus took the bread and He blessed it and He broke it and He gave it to them. So I'm going to take our cracker today, and I'm going to hand one to my camera person. And I'm going to take one myself. I hope you're doing the same. The Bible said that he took that, that bread, and he, and he broke it. He just broke it apart, and he handed it to them, and he shared it with them, and he blessed it. And his blessing was to help them to understand what this represented. And he tells them, he said, take this, this is my body. This represents my body. Now they could not understand on this day. They could not see what would happen just a few hours later. But Jesus was telling them, my body's going to be broken. My body's going to be pierced. My body is going to suffer for you. Take and eat this. So today I say to you, church, take and eat. Father, I pray that you would bless us as we remember today your broken body. Father, we thank you for the piercings in your hands and your feet, the crown of thorns that were placed on your hand, the spear that was pierced your side. Father, I thank you for the, the truth that you took on the punishment of my sin. There was a period of what seemed like must have been three hours that God himself, for the first and only time, was separated from himself. As God the Father turned his back on God the Son and placed on him the sin and punishment of all mankind, of my sin, as Jesus took that pain brokenness for me. Father, thank you for that blessing. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for loving me enough to die for me. Lord, help me to live for you. 
the scripture says that he then took up a cup. And maybe for the first time we're going to be able to do this at your home. Maybe you're going to pass the cup around. I've threatened to do that so many times for the church, to just take one cup and pass it amongst us. Um, today, I'm not sure how you're doing this, but here's what it says. It says that he took up a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them. So they all drank. So take up the cup today. This cup that we know represents the blood of Christ. He said, after he blessed it and they drank of it, he said, this is my blood, which establishes the covenant. The covenant between God and man. The covenant between every believer and their Savior. The covenant, this new covenant. This new covenant that's not based on works or keeping the law. This new covenant that comes based in believing in what Jesus did for us. He said, take and drink of this new covenant. Bible said that it is shed for many. I assure you, I'll no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in a new way in the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for the representation of this juice, for the blood of Jesus that was poured out that day out of his hands, out of his feet, out of his head, out of his side. Father, thank you more for the blood sacrifice that was shed for my sin, that was placed on the mercy seat of God in heaven. Thank you for the the blood sacrifice that is the, the removing of the penalty of sin in my life. Thank you for what Jesus has done. Lord, again, I pray, help us to go forth and live now, resurrected for you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Church, I pray today that you have a blessed and great day. I pray that you enjoy your family. I pray that that you have a, a time uh, coming up where you have a chance to uh, share the joy of Christ with others in your community and others around you. Lord, I, I ask the Lord to today, this morning, as I was praying for you, that He would take and He would make this such a new day for us, such a a, a fresh anointing of the truth of what God has done for us. And I pray right now that God would move in your life and move in my life and help us to realize that we who were once dead in sin have been resurrected in life because of Jesus. And now, just as Lazarus was dead and raised, and just as Jesus was dead and raised, we have been dead and we are now raised. I pray that we will go and live Abundantly, not about this life, but in this life. Living for eternity, living out the life of Christ, sharing the hope and the joy of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the days ahead. I look forward to the day that we gather together in the church again. We can rejoice together one another. We can we can hug and we can laugh and we can we can do high fives and we can shake hands and we can we can fellowship um face to face. But until that day, I pray that you'll go forth and live in the resurrection that Jesus has provided. I love you, church. Have a great day.